Pastor John, and I'm here to share a couple significant prophetic words. Um, maybe I should do some other smaller videos uh, after I do this one. Hold on, I'm just getting my equipment all updated here. All right, so God bless you all. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that you're bringing people in from the north, south, east, and west. We thank you, Lord, that you have washed us in the blood of Jesus in our minds, hearts, inner beings, our earth suits, our containers. We thank you that we have renounced this world, the flesh, and the devil, that we are resolute to serve you. There's that we do not what we hear or see or by what we feel, but we live by faith in the word of God and that you cannot lie. We trust in your unchanging favor and your unchanging character. And we thank you that, again, you are bringing people in as I speak from the north, south, east, and west to hear the word of the Lord as you've given it to me by a dream and also uh, what I have been told in my spirit is the best way to say it about Russia. So, Lord, I pray that uh, you are going to speak to the people today your word in Jesus' name. We thank you that whatever we do is blessed and successful because you're with us and we are unbeatable because you, you are on our side. We're a majority. Amen in Jesus' name. God bless you. This morning, I could have advertised ahead of time, but I've been busy because it's a full-time ministry, and I've got other things to do than just do my program, and um, so I've been doing other things. So let me uh, get into the prophetic first vision that I had. So it wasn't, it wasn't yesterday which would have been Friday. I think it was Thursday, the, the Thursday night. And um, what I mean by that is, you know, you go to bed and it's Wednesday, and then you 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 you're, you're sleeping, and but technically at twelve o'clock it's Thursday. So Thursday night I had a supernatural vision from the Lord. And in it, one of the bank people that is, uh, that I have favor with, um, like sometimes if I, I put a check in the, in the, in the bank, that's not even, you know, covered with their policies until the next day, or whatever. There's a gentleman there named Chris and he's, I don't know what position he's in, it's one of the higher people, but he always tells them cash it. And sometimes they're like, what? That's against the policy. And he always, so I have favor with them. He's just do it for John. And so it's just, and I always, I, and it's just, I have favor. I have divine favor with this one guy that's in the bank. He's in the management position and he just, he always gives me favor. Um, so in other words, Hey, it's like, hey, I'd like to withdraw this money. I know but they're like, well, that's pending. And then, then Chris will say, just give John the money. And I'm like, wow, why? I, I, I have no idea. 
So it's just fake. So in this vision, Chris and I were in um, like a banking area. It's kind of hard to explain. And we were in the bank and there was like a, a, a big box that was built into the bank that had two openings on it. Okay, in other words, you could open it from this side or open it from that side. And and I mentioned to him that it was open. And uh, inside of it, I knew there was money. And, and, and Chris said, just go take it all. Take it all, John. And I'm like, what? He said, just take it all, John. And at first I thought, cameras or something I mean you can't and but he's like the manager and he's like no don't worry about it in other words he was like don't worry about it it wasn't like a thieving thing it was like you know the the bank is banks are crashed this bank is crashed this this bank is crashed in other words so just take whatever's in there you can have it and so I thought about it I'm like he's the one who's in charge here everybody else is gone He's the man in charge of the bank. I have favor with him. He told me to take everything that is in that box. Now, I knew it was money that was in there, but I thought it was dollars. So I said, okay, I'm going to take the money that's in that box. And I opened it up, and there was silver dollars, but those silver dollars were about this big. Now, silver dollars are about that big, Okay. But they were like silver dollars like that big, and they were about this thick. And I started filling my pockets with those silver dollars. And my pockets, they, they grew bigger somehow. They, they were bigger than pockets are. It's like they increased in size. And all of a sudden, I was able to put so much silver into my pockets. And so if... Whatever the silver price is today, 25 bucks an hour, you know, 25 bucks an hour, uh, a, a troy ounce, maybe it's 25, a troy ounce, maybe it's, you're going to tell me it's 20 today, maybe it's 30 today, I don't know what it is. But the, but the silver dollars were this big. I don't know the math on that, but that's like quite a, a, a lot more. So silver, the silver dollar the price and its value jumped way up. Because the banks, that because the fiat system was hit, okay? And so there was a large increase in that. And I want to tell you something. If you don't own any, you know, the uh, trans, wealth transfer, you're not going to get any wealth transfer at all. If you haven't bought gold or silver and you have nothing like that, you, there's no wealth transfer for you, okay? I, I, I was starting to look at an article from a secular perspective that a lot of young people think they're going to, get into this wealth transfer. There's no wealth transfer for you. That's not prophetic. You have to buy some gold and for some silver to have a, be a part of that, okay? I'm just telling you, okay? Um, certain cryptocurrencies, like uh, I think Bitcoin, people that, and it, it can't, you can't invest $2,000 into Bitcoin and become a millionaire. You might be able to, but I think it's highly unlikely. I think you're gonna have to have a lot more money put into Bitcoin become a millionaire 
in Bitcoin. I've not had any visions or dreams about that, but I've had visions and dreams about uh, people making a lot of money through silver and gold. Okay, but I've had no no visions or dreams about, um, you know, Bitcoin. But I think some prophets have, and I think they're accurate. Okay, so that's one. Okay, so God bless you and, and welcome here. Amen. So, all right. So come on into the into the uh, the chat area if you'd like to. You can ask some questions. Okay. So I've got I got some different prophetic words here. Okay. The other thing is I'm telling you right now. I forget what year it was. There were some different people that were saying they were prophets, saying that God told them that uh, Kim Young Moon or whatever his name there is in North Korea was going to nuke us. And he had said that he had the uh, potential of doing it, and we better be careful because he would nuke us. He had made the threat, and he said he had the power to do it. And I told people, those people that are saying that are liars. They are not heard from God at all. And I'm telling you right now, in 2022, Russia will not invade the United States of America. I'm telling you that right now. That's a word that you can take to the bank. I'm not telling you about 2020. I've not got a word about 2023, but in 2022, Russia will not invade the United States of America. Your 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 visions and your dreams are false, or you're, you're putting a date on something, but it's not this year. So it's a prophetic word. And if you follow the prophets, the Bible talks about how prophets would prophesy to kings about wars, they would also, they would prophesy about, hey, you're going to go to battle, you'll lose. You'll go to battle, you'll win. This person's going to invade you. I'm going to defend you against this person's invasion. There's stuff like that all through the Bible that prophets got words like that. And so it's prophetic. I'm telling you, Russia is not going to invade the United States of America in 2022. That's a lie. So you can, you can unsubscribe to those channels. Those people are lying. Uh, God did not send them, and they went. God didn't speak to them, and they spoke. God had not given them a given them a message, and they're wrong. Okay, and more importantly, right now you need to f fear the Lord and to keep His commandments and walk in that. Other thing is, this morning I heard two different things, and I believe there are two different categories of people. I heard this literally, literally. Okay, as I was I was in bed, I heard this. There is nothing worse than making your bed and then, have, and then having to lie in it. Moses did. I heard that. It's clear as ever. There is nothing worse than making your bed than having, and then having to lie in it. Moses did. First word. I heard this. And that means that some people will make heaven, but they are not going to come into what God has called them for because they did not sanctify the Lord in their heart and fear him. Okay, I heard it as clear as day. There is nothing worse than making your bed than having, and then having to lie in it. Moses did. Okay? That's a person that's lived righteous enough to go to heaven. Okay? Because you do have to live righteous to go to heaven. And then the next thing I heard was this. There is no worse punishment than the one that you inflict upon yourself. I heard this. as a second category of people. 
not everybody's going to go to heaven. If you heard my vision about where the Lord wasn't even a vision, I was taken out of my body and I went into hell. The Lord showed me what would be the future of me if I continue to believe that a Christian couldn't lose their salvation, which at one time I believed that false doctrine until Jesus appeared to me and, and took me into hell and showed me my future and told me this is a, a, it's a doctrine from hell. Okay, so there is, there is no greater punishment than one, can, uh, than one can afflict upon themselves. There is no greater punishment than one can afflict upon themselves. There's no greater punishment than the one that is, or it is. There is no greater punishment than the, than the one that you inflict upon yourself. And, I, I, you know, I have people that follow my program, and, they're, and they don't, I heard, and, and if you hear this and you're watching it and you realize I'm talking about you, I am. Put out there, wrote a letter saying that some people uh, believe that, you know, uh, that if you're sorry and you repent of your sins, that's not enough. You have to even go even deeper in to get repentance. You're deceived and you are an unwise person. You're going to go to hell if you don't repent of this. You see what you talk about? No, they, I'm, I, I'm saying you have to live a holy life. But this person is living is is a narcissist and refuses to forgive themselves. It's, it's spiritual pride. They've committed sins in their life and they refuse to accept God's forgiveness. You know, if I offer you twenty dollars and you and 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 you don't have money, you're if you're proud, you'll say, uh, "No, no, I don't need it. I, I'll work for my own hand as money. I don't need a handout." You'll be proud. See, humility is is able to be. Uh, listen, a part of humility is being able to be served. A part of humility is being able to be served. Somebody says, here, I want to give you $20. Oh, no, 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 I, I can't accept that. That's pride. Somebody gives you a compliment, okay, instead of, and you say, thank you. You say, oh, no, 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 I can't accept that. No, that, that's pride, okay. God sent his son and he paid for your forgiveness, and you're like, no, 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 I can't accept that. I've got, I got to continue to suffer and feel guilty for the sins that I've committed as some spiritual badge. You're trying to be a spiritual martyr, and God was completely satisfied when Christ died. When it comes to sin, God was satisfied about the judgment of sin when Christ died, so that if we receive forgiveness... We are forgiven. Now, Christians have to live a holy life. That's true. But there is nothing you can do to, to earn forgiveness. Now, the Bible says he that confesses and forsakes his sin will find mercy. You, we don't just confess our sins. That's Catholicism. The Word of God says in Psalms, he who confesses and forsakes his sin will find mercy. You've got to turn around. Okay. But if you've done that, you are forgiven. And there is no deeper way. I had a vision one time from the Lord. And in the vision from the Lord, I was an older man than I am now. And I was in a, a beautiful, gigantic, two-story white house. And all the walls were perfectly pure. It had like white railings in it and everything. It was be beautiful, white, brilliant uh, bottom floor. Beautiful, white, brilliant a top floor, two-story house. And all of a sudden, I had a thought come into my mind, and I felt temptation come into my body. I felt it. 
But I said, that is nothing at all. What do you do? And I just kept on going about. The Lord spoke to me through the vision, and he said, you expect some type of supernatural, significant thing to happen in order to know you've got victory, that you've already repented of your sins and you're living in righteousness. In other words, you expect a Charles Heston moment, like, you know, where Charles Heston, he's dressed, you know, he's like, like in the book of, uh, not the book, but he played Moses, okay? You expect something significant to tell you you've got victory over vices or, or addictions, if you if you're not if you if you're living in righteousness then you're free even if you stumble again you were free the reason people will stumble again is they they get they believe lies of the disembodied spirits because the disembodied spirit says well you're still being tested you're still being tempted and then they agree with those lies because I've been talking to you about the devil is a liar he never tells the truth why do you listen to him he, another one of his names is, is the accuser of the brethren. Why do you listen to him? Okay. So when you repent, you're as free as you'll ever be free. Then you have to walk it out. Some people want something extra. And like this one brother, this brother, the Bible talks, and, I'm, I, and if you're here and you're watching, I'm not apologizing, brother. Nobody knows I'm talking to you. I'm telling you, brother, you're not going to make the kingdom of God if you don't stop having self-pity. You're not going to make the kingdom of God if you keep on telling, saying God is the one. It's God's fault that you're committing sin. No, it's your fault. Okay? If you keep on saying God hasn't healed me from what's abuse I went through. Now, God did heal you 2,000 years ago. You're not going to make the kingdom of God if you keep this up. Okay? Grow up. We're the sum total of our own choices. Now, the Bible says he that keeps God's commandments... It has, has good understanding. Now, you tell me yourself that you don't keep his commandments and you live wickedly. And you tell me you have understanding. You don't have understanding. You need to listen to somebody who does have understanding because he who keeps the commandments of God has good understanding. I keep the commandments of God. I have good understanding. God, God is not responsible for your sin. The devil's not responsible for your sin. You are. That's why the Bible says to fear the Lord and to cease from sin. It basically says, fear God and stop sinning. You, you, God doesn't need to stop sinning. You're the one sinning. Okay, I'm just, I, this is a prophetic thing that this one brother, man, that brother, you're the, you're the second person in that, in that prophetic word. Okay, that second uh, word what applies to you. That there is no greater, there is no worse affliction than the, the punishment that one gives himself. I actually, I'm not saying it exactly. I wrote it down though. But there is no greater, there is no worse affliction than the one. Uh, there is no greater punishment. This is what it was. There is no greater punishment than one afflicts upon themselves. That's exactly what I heard. I heard it's Thursday. There is no worse punishment than the one one inflicts upon themselves. If you lie and then you say it's God's fault, you're lying. If you if if you lie and you say, "But I, I felt tempted to lie," that's your fault. It's not God's fault. It's not it, you. You're wrong. It's not God's fault, and it's it's not the devil's fault. It's your fault. And so the Bible says, "Commit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee." Calling God a liar? 
The Bible says no temptation has taken you, but which is common to man. But God will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. It says God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above your able. But with every temptation will make a way of escape. You calling God a liar? It says I write unto you, little uh, beloveds, or whatever in John 1, that you sin not. Okay? He said that you sin not. Stop sinning. Okay? Admit it, quit it, and forget it. That's profound. Trust me, that's worth your time right now in this message. Admit it, quit it, and forget it. Remember, the Bible says Lot's wife. She looked back and she died. Don't look back. Remember, the Bible says a man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Stop looking back. Remember what, what Paul says? She says, this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind me, I press towards the mark of the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to forget it. The Bible says in, in uh, Jeremiah, he said this in Jeremiah, I think it's Lamentations written by Jeremiah. He said that the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. It's because of his mercies we're not consumed. And David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Okay, the Bible says in Psalms that the the that the uh, the mercies of the, the mercies of the Lord, pardon me, the mercies of the Lord are from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear God. You've got to fear the Lord. Okay, so there's the first type of person, the two different people that the Lord spoke to me about. I heard it as clear as day this morning. Not an impression or a feeling. I heard this. I heard a literal voice say these two things while I was in my bed this morning. And the first one is, there is no there is no worse thing than to make your own bed and then to have to lie in it. Moses did. Okay? And you don't know about it. Moses got angry and he didn't get to go into the promised land. God buried him in Mount Sinai. Pretty good. He's in heaven. But, but there's no greater judgment than the judgment that you get by not judging yourself. Then the next thing that the Lord said was, there is no more severe punishment than the one you inflict upon yourself. I heard this as clear as ever. There is no worse uh, punishment than the one you inflict upon yourself. Okay? God isn't putting condemnation. You're doing that yourself. God isn't putting shame on your on you. You're doing that yourself. That's that's the truth. And if you continue to do that, you may not make the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's narcissism. You're self-centered. You believe that you're special because this happened to you or that happened. We've all been victimized to some degree, every single one of us. Get over it. Okay? Take responsibility and man up for your actions. Stop blaming it on God or the devil or your flesh. Every one of us deals with the devil, and every one of us lives in a fleshly body. And we have to crucify our passions of the flesh every day. We cannot make it and make excuses for our flesh. That was a pretty strong word, but it's the word that I heard. I heard these words this morning, that those, those two sayings this morning. Okay? I know we make mistakes. No one is, is perfect. I've never met anybody once perfect. But reality is, if I sin, 
God did not make me sin. If I sinned, my flesh did not make me sin. If I sinned, the disembodied spirits, which are demons, they did not make me sin. I consented and I make, made a choice. So you make choices and your choices make you. You're the sum total of your choices. That's hard. But you can also make a choice to humble yourself and accept forgiveness. You can, you can, you can, you can be humble and accept God's forgiveness and his exoneration and his pardon. Instead of having a religious spirit walking around under condemnation and shame and then saying, well, I don't feel forgiven. I don't feel free. Well, guess what? If you don't accept that you are forgiven, the Bible never put in there if you feel it. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you've done your part, it's now it's based upon his faithfulness of character. If you do your part, you confess your sins. The Bible says he is faithful and just. That's talking about his character, not yours. He will forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you from unrighteousness. Well, I don't feel forgiven. I don't feel cleansed. I don't feel free. You're calling God a liar, and you'll not make the kingdom of God because of it. You'll not make the kingdom of God because of it, because you're a blasphemer. That's You're blaspheming God. Saying that you hate God, you're a blasphemer. You better repent. There's, and, and I don't care. Nobody knows who I'm talking about. Nobody knows you. So I'm talking about it on this program. You better repent. You will not make the kingdom of God. He who keeps the commandments of God has good understanding. I do what God says, and I have good understanding. The Bible says the man that hears God's word and does it, Matthew 5, that is the man has wisdom. I do what God says. I have wisdom. You told me you don't even keep God's commandments, and yet you tell me, and then you try to tell me that, 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 oh yeah, but I, I, you know, I need some type of inner healing. I need something else to get free from sin. No, you're fall, you're in folly. You've been misled by false doctrine, and you refuse to humble yourself and repent of a false doctrine, where you've been brainwashed by 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 these Christian cults that are teaching all this nonsense about inner healing and all this other stuff. It's nonsense. Sometimes, occasionally, God will touch one out of a million or billion people and lift up, take, take something away from them. Other times, like Paul, he leaves different struggles with a person until the time they die. Paul did not have a sickness. He said that he, said that he had a thorn in the flesh. He's the man that explained the flesh has to do with our, our earthly nature. And he said he had a thorn in the flesh. A messenger sent to buffet him. Okay, so it's oh, it's a sickness. No, the actual you use the Bible. It said it was a it was a messenger. Messages bring messages. Okay, a thorn in the flesh. Hold on, a thorn in the flesh. Uh, this thing doesn't want to give do it right, but anyways, okay. Oh, wait a second. Give me one second. I know you're wise because, uh, amen. So you'll have patience and, and wait. <laughs> okay, let me read the scripture right here. Okay, so let's go. 
I could just go, okay, so second for second Corinthians twelve. Let's just, just do it that way. Second Corinthians twelve. Okay. All right. Just give me a second, y'all. I appreciate. It. All right. Here we go. Praise the Lord. Okay. I at verse verse three. I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. And of such one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmity. For though I desire to glory, I shall not, I shall not be a fool. For I say the, the truth, but now I forbear lest any should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. So for every text, there must be a context or it's a pretext. So it's, he, it wasn't sickness. That's it. It was a messenger. A messenger in the Greek is a person that brings a message. It's a messenger. Literally, that's what it means in the Greek, a messenger. That's what it was. Okay. Wasn't a sickness or disease. That's 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 bad theology. It's bad hermeneutics. It's bad exegesis. It's it's bad an, a, analysis of the scripture. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it should depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my weakness, is the Greek word there. It's not sickness, weakness, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Okay, so God allows um, Paul to be attacked by the devil. That's right. He's done it to many mighty men of God. And if they get puffed up or proud, then he opens the door and that those demons will come in and begin to afflict them. And when they humble themselves, then they're gone. And so, and the way that they learn how to live in humility is they understand that if they don't walk humbly, then they will be afflicted. But the Lord will put a covering and give them peace if they walk in humility. If it keeps them, it checks them. It keeps them balanced. It, kept, it helps them to recognize that they're just a man or a woman of God created in earth, of, of clay and earth, that they're no different than anyone else. You know, prophetic pride is the reason many people go to hell that are prophets. Did you know that a, a woman who or a man that gets on their knees and prays to hours for other will have more crowns in heaven than a prophet, apostle, teacher, pastor, or an evangelist, or a teacher. Did you know that? Because it is it is a that's a selfless, perfect uh, thing, and love is the greatest. 
And the Bible says if you have all wisdom, all revelation, all knowledge, speak with all tongues, have enough faith to move mountains, give your body to be burned, 1 Corinthians 13, and you don't have love, it profits you nothing. You're just a big zero. But a person who will get on their knees and intercede for others, be a servant, have a mindset of esteeming others above themselves, those people will have more rewards in heaven than great apostles and prophets, unless they also are people who's, who serve. Do you understand everybody serving everybody? Do you understand being a servant is the greatest thing you can do in your life, that you do things for others expecting nothing in return, not to be praised, receive acclamations, receive position, promotion, nothing. You just serve people with no reward in this earth. And you do not, you're, you're not trying, you don't do like some people, well, what can I get out of it? Well, you're not a servant. You mean you're not going to pay me to come over and help you at your ministry? No, I'm not. I help people sometimes in ways like that also with my ministry. But I'm saying sometimes no. Sometimes that's not the way it is. Elijah followed Elisha, and he submitted to him, and he was his servant. Joshua was a servant of Moses. They didn't do it for what they could get out of it. I was I was under a Pastor N.C. Nelson, one of the greatest prophets I've ever ever met. I'm amazed that his family sinned in such a way by not writing his autobiography when he died. Greatest prophet that I've ever met in my whole life. They didn't even write his autobiography. Seen so many miracles. I watched under his prophetic ministry. On the better prophetic than I see on the earth. I don't know if anybody on the earth that ministered in the way that Pastor N.C. Nelson operated. And I was I was his. Uh, I, I was laid my hands. He laid his hands on me, put me into the ministry. Okay, but I was his servant. I told him, "Sir, I will pick up your 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 briefcase and carry it. I'll clean the toilets in the church. I'll I'll clean up all the chairs. What have you asked, sir? I am your servant. I expect nothing in return." And it has been said by people that knew him. They say the the, the prophetic mantle that was on him was passed to you, John. I would never claim that because I don't feel I was as spiritual as he is. Okay. But I'm telling you, there's this this generation are narcissists. They don't do anything for others. They're like, you know, oh, hey, that old lady, they're going to give her a fine because her house needs to be weeded. Oh, what, I'm, what am I going to get out of it? Am I going to get money? No, go mow their lawn and expect nothing in return. And even if they offer you money, say, no, I did it for the Lord. Oh, I couldn't do anything like that. Well, you're not a servant. You don't understand the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not about anything else. It's not about meat and drink. It's about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you who's a spiritual man and a woman, a person who will serve others. That's a spiritual person. I do stuff that I don't talk about here on this program. I expect nothing for it at all. Because the greatest thing in the world is to be a servant. People that are always thinking, what is, what am I going to get out of that? Okay. They're users. People that will ask people to go and, you know, uh, people that, they're users. If you, if, if people do things out of love, that's right. If they're asked to do things out of love and they do it, that's being a servant. That's being a servant. And maybe at your church, you've been asked to, to, to park cars, but you're like, well, what, where am I going to get money? Listen, if they give you money, you're not going to get a reward in heaven. 
Uh, we'd like for you to wash the toilets at, at, at the church. Well, uh, am I going to get money? No, because you're not going to get any reward in heaven. If you're a servant, just wash the toilets. Park the cars. Well, that's not a position like a prophet or apostle. Nobody's going to call me like a doctor in theology or give me respect. Who's going to who's going to who's going to see that? Well, will you announce me and like on the front of the church and a big bold letters that I'm the car parker and I do a great job? No, just park the cars and shut up. I'm sorry. That's what the Lord wants me to say. Something toward I've had the Lord Jesus talk to me twice through visions and tell me I'm too nice to people. And you say, really, John, you can be a very firm person that because I've been with Jesus and I cannot be nicer than him. I'm telling you, just be quiet, park the cars and, and be a servant. Go clean the toilet up and be a servant. Live it. You live in a Christian community. Go out, do some weeding. Some of you are maybe in a Christian community. Are you waiting to be served? You're waiting to be served. That's a narcissistic society. That's a narcissistic entitlement generation. Jesus said, if I being your Lord and your God came and I did not, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Oh, getting the Bible involved in it, Pastor John, are you now? Jesus said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a sacrifice for many. And he said, and if I be your master and do that, I tell you that he that is a servant is greater than anyone else. You don't understand this? You don't understand you open a door for somebody? You don't understand that if somebody cooks you food and serves you at a restaurant, that you give them a tip? You don't understand that? You, under, you do not understand that if there's somebody having a struggle picking up their groceries, you take them and you help them bring them in their car? Do you not understand if you see someone broken down on the side of the road and you can stop and you feel peace about it, you get out of your car and you put their tire on? You don't get that? You don't understand that if they need physical help and you've got experience, like as I was a firefighter, that you don't sit there and give them help. You don't, you, what are you getting out of it? Nothing. In fact, I think if you've done that, you should expect praise of the Father, not of man. This generation is totally narcissistic. They want everything for free. They want their checks for free. They want their food for free. They don't understand any of these concepts that if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. But they and, and guess what? They don't even they, they, they want to they want to eat with, without working. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. But they want a, a check from the government and they don't even want to work. And they serve no one but their own self. I'm telling you. And this is the prophetic, prophetic word you can ever get on. Your, if you're a young person or you're not understanding this, this not your life. This is the most prophetic word in the world that you could ever receive. Jesus said, though I was I'm your Lord, your God, your king, basically, as we was talking about, he said the Son of Man did not come to be served. He wasn't like, what am I going to get out of this? What am I going to get out of washing the disciples' feet? What am I going to get out of uh, feeding the five uh, the five thousand? What am I going to get out of healing the sick and casting out devils? What am I going to get? No, no. The Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve, and and to be a ransom for many. And He says, and if I being your Lord and your Master did that, then you ought to do the same thing. And happy are you if you do it. And He said, the greatest person in the kingdom of God is the person who's to serve. 
be a servant. So people have spiritual pride because they're a prophet. whoop de freaking do I saw Jesus. whoop de freaking do Great that you saw Jesus. He's oppy. But whoop did you do that you saw him? I saw, I've, seen, I've seen Jesus seven times. I'm not extraordinary at all. He is extraordinary. It doesn't mean that, that, that listen, many people will, will not make it to heaven that are prophetic because of spiritual prophetic pride. They, don't, they can't listen to other people. And they can hear prophetic words for others, but God doesn't even speak to them. You know why God doesn't speak to you? You're rebellious. I get prophetic words for other people, but God speaks to me personally. You want to understand why God never speaks to a person? You're rebellious. That's why. Because God will not dwell with the rebellious. So he'll say in that day, I never knew you. Depart me from me, you worker of iniquity. The word is the deny there. That's what Jesus is doing there. When, 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 when Peter denied Jesus, he said, I don't know who you are. He did know who he was, but he said, I don't know who you are. That's what it means to deny. In, in Timothy, okay, in Timothy... In the book of Timothy, he says, if we deny him, he will deny us. When you get the Bible involved in it, okay, it says right here in the scriptures. Hold on. Let's get this in. Here we go. Second, second. Oh, man. Problem with my phone there. Okay. Second Timothy chapter 12, verse um, 12. If we suffer, we shall reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. That's a guarantee. You deny the Lord, he'll deny you. And what is the definition of deny in the Greek? Well, we can see what it is. The Bible says Peter denied Jesus three times. I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. Jesus said, he will say to the workers of Nicene, depart from me. I do not know who you are. Oh, oh, that's right. That's what it means to deny, because when, when, when God, when somebody's name is blotted out of the book of life, he removes it from his own mind. Otherwise, he would be in eternal suffering. When hell is actually consummated and all the wicked are put in there, God will remove it from his memory and never remember it at all. When somebody's name is taken out of the book of life, they've, they've been saved and they, they deny the Lord. He rem he'll remove them from his memory, and he'll say, I don't know you, because that's the, the Greek definition of deny is. I don't know who you are. You prophesied great. So I love you, brother. You prophesy awesome. You've got great prophetic words. Great. That's all you have, nothing more. You don't have substance to your life. You're unteachable. You're unreachable. People try to correct you. You don't listen to their advice, Okay. There is no worse punishment than the one that is inflicted by oneself. Condemnation is not a, no, a noble attribute. Shame, feeling shame is not a noble a, a, a virtue or attribute. It is saying that the sacrifice of Christ is not good enough, and that when you confess your sins, God didn't forgive you that he's a liar and cannot be trusted because you're anchoring your life on your emotions. 
Temptation can feel very, very much like you're sinning. It can be very intense, but unless you, it, it, unless you, uh, um, unless you consent to it, unless you agree to do something, you're not, you're not sinning. Remember, thoughts they can come into your head. They are not a sin. They're immaterial. They are, they are immaterial, um, ethereal. A thought is ethereal and immaterial. They, they have no height, width, length, or depth. They are just a thought. They can come in. What is a sin is when you personally take that thought and you begin to think what those thoughts are. You personally do that. If a thought comes into your mind, oh, well, like the vision I had before when I was uh, younger about me as an older man, having a thought come into my mind, temptation, feeling that temptation in my body, and then just saying, whatever, it means nothing, and just keep on walking about, walking with the Lord, not allowing it to affect me. Because like the Lord showed me that, that vision, he told me, John, you're already free, but you, you want to, you're walking with me, you're living holy, but you expect more. And because of that, sometimes you would fall back into sin because you expect more. Listen to this 57 years old man. If you're if you used to drink and you haven't drank in a week, guess what? You're you're delivered. Just continue to stay that way. You've already you've already repented. Listen, if you got drunk last night and you last night you haven't drank all day today, guess what? You're free. Now you're gonna have you built a stronghold in there in your life that is in your soul area. You're gonna have to continue to resist that. And it may take it may take six months. It may take the rest of your life. But just to discipline yourself, you may always feel tempted by alcohol. So what? Paul had a thorn in the flesh. The Lord would not take it from him. It was a messenger sent from the devil. So he was being attacked by the devil. Some type of form of temptation was coming upon him, but he said no to it because God said, "I've given you enough grace." But some people say, pray for me, pastor, that I won't be tempted any longer. And I heard of, this is a true story, that the pastor actually had somebody say, pray for me, pastor, that I'm not going to be tempted any, tempted any longer. And the pastor laid hands on him and said, God, kill him right now. And he said, what? What? I ask you to pray for me that I wouldn't be tempted anymore. He said, the only way that you cannot be tempted anymore is that you're dead. You've got to grow up. Okay? I love you. But I'm, I'm calling it like this, and I, and, I, and I hate to talk this way. You guys don't know how hard this is for me to talk this way, to be this straight with people. It's hard. I don't like doing it. But like I said, I had two, two visitation visions from the Lord where the Lord told me I was too nice to people. That, that listen, that I, I was being nicer than Jesus. Jesus called people whitewashed tombs, said their father was the devil, called them liars, called them snakes, called them hypocrites, and he was love incarnate. I cannot be nicer than Jesus. I gotta love you until it hurts. So I gotta call things as it is. Gotta get a little of this here. So, and thank you guys for the prayers for my wife. Uh, she's gonna have to go in. I gotta go in Monday. She's gotta get more tests. So thank you for your prayers. But my wife's got to go on Monday and get more blood tests before they make any any um, you know any radical choices with what they, they have to do. She's got to get some type of surgery or radiation. 
So before they've got to take more blood tests so that they don't over, if they can go with less uh, invasive, I think, yeah, the term is invasive. If they can do something that's less invasive, then they want to do that. And of course, I and Lisa would like for them to do something that's not as as invasive. So before they do something that's too intense, they want to do more labs. So Monday she's going to go in and they're going to do more labs on her. They've already done a, a bunch of them, but they're going to do more labs on her. So that's my wife. Some of you guys know people know my ministry and my friends. So do pray for her. Um, and she gets more labs Monday. And we pray that the, the treatment will not be a real adverse treatment, real hard on her body, because she's already had difficulties in her body already. So we're, we're praying and, and seeking the Lord, and we appreciate your prayers for my wife as well. Okay, so there you go with that. So keep Lisa in prayer. Okay. Hold on one second, y'all. Give me a second. I'm looking at my equipment here. Well, bless you all. I think it's, uh, what is it? Is it Nevada? Carl, God bless you. Denise, God bless you. Timothy, God bless you. Johnny Davis, God bless you. Good to see you, Johnny. Amen. So God bless you all. So just telling you like it is, y'all, I, I don't mean to be hard, but I, I heard these words, and I know that I, I, I'm warning this brother that he's, listen, I told one brother, I heard the Lord speak to me one time, and he told me to, I heard the God. It, it wasn't like a thought that came on my mind. God spoke to me. He said, tell this brother to read the book of Proverbs. And I thought, well, that's a radical thing to tell somebody, and I'd never heard it. And I told him, you need to read the book of Proverbs. And he's like, yeah, 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 whatever, I read it. And I'm like, wow, what's wrong with this guy? Within about the next three months, he he uh, he contracted AIDS. I think within six months, he was dead. Okay, But the Lord sent me and told him he needed to read the book of Proverbs. Why? He didn't have wisdom and he didn't fear God. Okay? So you need to admit it, quit it, and forget it. Okay, if you're if you've been committing sins, admit it, confess it, quit it, stop doing it. Third, forget it. Stop stop living and in that. It's not a noble thing for you to feel condemnation and shame. That's like uh, flagellating yourself, like the the Roman Catholics. They would hit themselves to inflict themselves with pain. They consider that being a saint. Though it's a high level of religious pride. Oh, people are like, I feel so bad about my sins, and they think that's noble. It's not noble. You're, it's blasphemy. If you've asked God to forgive you and you have repented, then be humble and accept that forgiveness. Just like if you if you need 10 bucks to buy a, a sandwich and someone gives it to you, accept it. Don't be proud and say, oh, I don't need that. That's pride. If you if you you, you you if you fallen over and somebody reaches over and, and and puts their hand out to help you get up, don't say I can get up on my own. That's pride. If somebody opens the door for you because you're a little old, older when you're 57 years old, 60. Sometimes a young person will open a door for you. Say thank you very much and walk through the door. 
it's pride not to do that. So when you say, God, forgive me, I've sinned, then be humble and say thank you. And then, and then do not be double-minded and wonder if he forgave you because he's, he's, his word is true. And the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Stop calling God a liar. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, I don't feel cleansed. doesn't say that in that scripture. didn't say you'll feel it. Well, well, I, I don't know if I'm really forgiven. It doesn't say that, that you are to do that. You're to believe God. People are such flakes. You got to be resolute. When you pray, you should not be repeating yourself like you have uh, Tourette's or something. Sometimes I do it because I my, my memory gets a little glitch in it. But I personally try to not do that. Okay. You might say, like, if an example, just to make sure your heart's right, you might say something like, Lord, forgive me if there's anything wrong in my heart and help my heart to be more like yours. But you don't just keep on saying, God, forgive me if, if I sin to my heart. God, forgive me if I sin to my heart. God, forgive me if I sin to my heart. That's spiritual Tourette's. That's spiritual Tourette's. You're double-minded. Okay? So what you do is you, with true, humble humility, if you don't... If you don't really feel true, humble humility, well, then you could say, help me to repent. Give me a heart where I feel sorry. And the Holy Spirit will bring that. Then accept it. Accept that you're forgiven now because you feel sorry and that you choose and intend to do what's right. Accept the forgiveness and walk in it. Don't don't be like a religious person who has Tourette's. Jesus said, you think because you pray a long time, you're heard. I, I pray for four or five hours sometimes. That's okay. but 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 not like Tourette's. You say the same thing over and over again. You say like this, and it's done. You say, God, forgive me if I have sinned in word, thought, deed, desire, or action, motive, or attitude. In Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you. I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed. In Jesus' name. And move on. Don't sit around there in some religious attitude. Oh, I'm suffering for my sins. No, Jesus, he, paid, he bore your sins. You don't need to bear them. God was satisfied by the sacrifice of Christ. He doesn't need for you to do anything more to get forgiven other than repent and confess your sins. That's all that you're required from. That's all, that, that is all that is required from you. Nothing more than that. So you're not spiritual. You're the opposite of spiritual if you don't accept that God has forgiven you and you've repented. If you're living in condemnation and shame, God didn't put that on you. They demobilize you and God wants to mobilize you. He wants you to get, get you to get you to the place he wants you for in the kingdom. But you, you're demobilized because you're living in condemnation and shame because of your spiritual pride because you think you're special. You think you're the only person who's ever committed the sin you've committed. And you think that your temptation is worse than everybody else's. No, you're, you're overcome with spiritual pride. And this is why many prophets will not make it to heaven. Because they get visions of God and stuff, and then they think they're special. I do not believe that myself. I'm just a regular person. I put on one pant leg at a time. I'm just a regular guy. A prophet doesn't mean you're anything more than anyone else. I have a doctor degree. You know what that means? 
bow-diddly and doodly squat. You say, really? That's a big deal having a doctorate degree. It means bow-diddly and doodly squat. It's a doctorate degree in theology. Whoop-de-freaking-do. I asked God why I got it, because he, he gave me uh, the financing to do it. It was, it. it was given to me, right? He said, it's like money, John. It's useful. So money is, is useful. The, the, the doctrine is useful. For some reason or another, I'm going to use it at some time. I don't even know what I'm supposed to even do with my doctor degree. I have no complete clue. I've got a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and a doctorate degree. They're all in theology. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with them. I guess if we can't find paper to start a fire one of these days, it might light it up. Who freaking cares? Do you understand what matters? These things don't matter at all. Many people that are doctors in theology are going to split hell wide open because they have spiritual pride and they think that there's some big deal. You are nothing. I'm talking outside of Christ. I and you are nothing. Period. We were God took us and scraped us up from dirt and he breathed into us and we became animated. We are created beings. We did not create ourselves. We are we are we are uh, we are not we are he is infinite, we are finite. Our days are numbered, his are eternal. We will live in heaven forever or hell forever, but we are always copies, and the copy is is never, never as good as the original. Yes, we have value in Christ, and we're kings, and we're priests, and the righteousness of God. I get it, but in ourself, we are nothing and no one. We have no right to think of ourselves as anything. If we do, we're deceived. Paul says, if a man thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he's deceived. What he is saying is, all of us are nothing. But there's a lot of people that are running around thinking they're a big something, and they're a zero. They're a zero. Because because ministry is a manifestation of love. If it is a manifestation of anything else, it will be burned up in the time of judgment, and it will not stand past the test. Everything we do must be motivated by love, or it is worthless. It's hay, wheat, and stubble. Okay? So the Bible says God took man from the dirt of the earth and he breathed into his nostrils the Ruha Kadesh, and man became a living soul, a spiritual being. A soul is spiritual. It says in Proverbs, discipline your child and you'll save his soul from hell. Well, a soul, a human's body doesn't go to hell. It's eternal fire and it's eternal. The body would decay. The soul is your is really who you are, your mind, your will, and your emotions. In Genesis, it says, I saw the soul of the righteous in heaven. Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, that beloved flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So your body is not who you are. It's just a tent. You're a spirit having a human experience. You're not a human having a spiritual experience. You're a spirit, and God is a spirit. The Bible says God has created us in his image. God is not a human. God is a spirit. We're created in his, his image. Therefore, we are spirits. Okay? And and the soul, the Bible says the souls of men will be in heaven forever. That the souls of men will be in heaven forever and in hell forever. Therefore, we know they are immaterial because they were made of material of this, of this corporeal temporal realm. They would decay. So they're immaterial and they're eternal because they can dwell in heaven forever and in hell forever. So you are 
a spiritual being and you will live forever. And you and I are responsible for our own actions, not the devil, not the flesh, not our father, not our mother, not somebody who molested us or somebody who physically abused us or somebody who divorced us or whatever the situation that you're going through is or somebody who said your dress looks funny or your cowboy boots look silly or you're short or you're bald or whatever and now you're on this pity trip and on a victim mentality thing and you're living out there that you're entitled to pity and stuff. Listen, you're going to forfeit your, your the kingdom of God for, for, for a bowl of porridge, for a work of the flesh, to live in condemnation and shame, feel that you're special and unique. You're special and unique above creation because God loved you, but you're not special and unique when it comes to being hurt, being rejected, being abused. This is just a normal part of this fallen world. It's happened to all of us. But I'm not living there. I'm not sitting there saying, oh God, I was molested. I was molested when I was a young boy. That's a fact. Twice. Over it. Done with it. Nothing to see here. Keep moving on. Oh, I was molested and I never recovered. <laughs> Get over it, man. Get over it. I never ever even think about that. I had to think right now. Let me think of an example. I know something's happened to me in my life. I forgot what it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was sexually abused. That's right. I was. Never think about it. Why? Because I'm not involved to it. It doesn't come back to my mind. I couldn't even think about it right now. Because I because it's never I never think about it. Never. Why? Because because I, I made a decision to to bring forgive people and accept forgiveness because you feel shame to get rid of all shame and all guilt through the blood of Jesus and I don't live there anymore. So don't tell me you can't be free because I am. You can't tell a person there's no water when they've swam in it. You can't tell a person there's no ocean on the earth if they've been there and swam in it. Okay? So listen, you can choose to be a victim or a victor. Okay? My mom and dad, they broke up when I was nine. I grew up after that for years in barrios. Okay? I could tell you stuff that curled the hair on the back of your neck of the stuff that I went through. But you know something? I never think about it at all. I'm totally free. Because I kept on killing it every time the thoughts to come and be pitiful and sorrow and cry and mourn. Oh, God, it was life hasn't been fair to me. Every time that would come up, I said, nope. I choose to be forgiven. I choose to believe I'm accepted. I choose to not open that up and revisit it any longer. I choose to obey the word that he that puts his hands to the plow looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. But you don't know what happened to me, Pastor John. Yeah, I do. You're not special. Jesus said, she looked back. Oh, you know what? I gave up to become a Christian. I lost so much money and stuff. You know what? Welcome to being a Christian. A lot of us have lost money. I lost my house in 2028, 2008, not 28, that would be good. We're not there yet, but 2008, I lost my house in Orange County. Okay, I lost my house, get over it, keep on going, because of the stock market crash. Okay, oh God, I lost my house, life is over, get over it. Okay. 
We, every Christian has suffered spiritual trauma. You're going to live there forever? Just like telling everybody about it because you want attention? A lot of narcissism involved in that stuff. Trust me. So guess what? You can't say, well, you don't know how it is to have this happen or that happen. I'm not discussing all the that I went through when I was younger. They, put, they, they, would, they would curl the hair on the back of your neck. But I have as suffered as much as any human being. I got in a motorcycle accident, broke my neck. It took me two years to be able to really be, begin to walk, and I still wasn't even walking right. Okay? Broke my pelvis, did frontal damage to my frontal lobe area. I had to, had to retrain my brain because I couldn't almost even speak. I could, I could speak, and I even preached, but a lot of words would get slurred and stuff because of the accident. And it took me years to get my memory to a place that it is now. And you want to feel sorry for yourself? I came home when I was 18 from a quote-unquote vacation I went on without asking. And I got home to my mom's house. And all my stuff that I owned was thrown outside in front of the house. And my mom says, I have American Indian blood in me. I had all my teeth done at an American Indian clinic. And she said, these are the words that a son never wants to hear his mother say. It was better when you were gone. Here's all your stuff. You have American Indian blood in you. Go live on a reservation. Oh, I'm so... <laughs> no, I love my mother. And we talk and we're good friends. I don't hold anything against what she said. She was not in a good spiritual place when she said that. She told me, John, I was a terrible mother. I'm sorry. I hope you forgive me. That's 20, 30 years later. Yeah, she's forgiven. I love my mother. Okay? Don't tell me about your sob story. We all could get together, each one of us, and compare and trust you, trust me, my, my story would outdo a lot of yours, okay? But I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. I choose it. It's called a mindset. I choose not to sit around and cry and be self-centered and moan and, and, moan and groan, okay? So I believe you're all winners. And I'm hoping that this brother, if he hears this program, he understands that I'm just, uh, listen, God, Jesus Christ told me I'm too nice to people. Nobody knows that I'm talking about you, so get over it. I decided about this. There's different people that watch my program. And listen, if I say something and I don't use your name, and I felt led the Lord to do say this today. I actually felt led the Lord to do this. I'm not messing around. You got to hear what I'm saying. Straighten yourself out, man. The brother that I am talking about. Straighten yourself out. You are not. You you may not make the kingdom of God on your pity trip, because it's keeping you locked in more. Victory is victory. How whatever whatever level it comes, you can grow more and more. I used to only last a day or two and fall. A day or two and fall. When I was a baby Christian, I remember I would go like a day or two fall, three days, a day or two and fall. I would do that. But I kept on getting up. 
I had a vision one time, and, and I, in fact, I just had a vision about this, and the Lord was showing me this when I was preaching as an example. But the righteous are like a spring. Right? It gets pressed down, and it, it pops back up. It gets pressed down, it pops back up. That's what a righteous person's like. You make a mistake, you get back up. But if you want to live in self-pity, you're going to be a spring that gets broken, and you're going to get stuck. I don't fall and stumble every two to three days anymore. You know why? Because I kept on getting up, and guess what? Practice perfect. It's the truth. Started this Christian uh, uh, Christianity 42 years ago. Okay? I'm 57 years old. Self-pity, self-hatred, self-punishing with guilt and, 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 and condemnation to feel you're more spiritual, okay? They're toxic, and they'll kill you, and they'll take you out. Like I said, we all could get together and share our stories, and we could all cry and pass, pass around uh, you know, napkins. We could all douse our eyes, and we could get together the next week and repeat the same sad stories, and then douse our eyes and go home and say we're all victims and life is unfair. We could come the following week. We could all tell our stories and then and then get our napkins and douse our eyes and wipe them down. And then we could all feel sorry for ourselves and how our lives were so unfair and how that, 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 that things have been so terrible. And we can get together and do that for the rest of our lives. You'd be like a 75 years old woman and say, "I'm so I feel so rejected." Well, what happened? I didn't win the I didn't I, I didn't win at the prom, the the most beautiful prom girl. Oh, you're 70 years old. Get over it already. You know, people are that way, man. And I tell you, I, you guys are winners here. You guys aren't losers. I know that you watch this program because you're winners and not losers. And the things that I'm saying are truth, and you know that you need to hear them. And I and I and I let these things check me too, because I have not arrived yet. So I have to keep myself honest and accountable, and I have to be and have ownership, because I know this is why I'm able to walk in the spirit, and others are just falling every second, and I'm like walking in the spirit. And I'm not falling every day and, and falling over and over and over and over and over again because I've practiced these, this. He that, has, he that keeps the commandments of God has understanding. So how can a man that doesn't need to keep the commandments of God try to tell people what wisdom is? The Bible says the man that hears the word of God and doesn't do it, he's a fool. The Bible says the man that hears the word of God and does it, it's wise. The Bible says be a doer of the word, not a hearer, only deceiving yourself. Do the word. The word is for you to do it. Scripture is for you to do it. That's what wisdom is. It's The Bible says the fear of the Lord is to depart from hell beneath. Don't sit there and give a million excuses why you're living in sin. The fear of the Lord is to depart from hell beneath. Stop sinning. You guys are all winners that watch this program. I know it. I know that you'll keep on being like a spring. If you make a mistake, you're going to pop right back up. You're going to focus on getting up. You're going to focus on repentance. You're going to fo focus on accepting forgiveness. Listen, I told you physically I'm not going to get into all of it. Recently, I had internal bleeding, 
and afterwards I had a liver problem, okay? And I told the, the, the gentleman that gave me the diagnosis, I said, I, I came here for a diagnosis, nothing else. I don't want to hear about medicines or nothing. Then what, I, what did I do? I put myself into a radical, radical uh, food thing. I'll, I've got it here on my website because I, I I'm not waiting for things to happen. That We have to be the person who makes things happen. We have to be the catalyst. Okay? So this is what I did just to show you something so you understand my approach to life. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the, and the violent take it by force. Don't be waiting to get healed. Don't be waiting to uh, uh, whatever it is. You got to do something. Okay, okay. Uh, these are for healing your uh, your your liver. Uh, prickly pear. Um, okay, garlic will will help to cure your your liver. Grapefruit, uh, nuts. Those was legumes. Um, Fish, fatty fish, blueberries, beets, Brussels sprouts. So I went on a radical, radical uh, fast. I, I quit. I quit eating for like two days, and then I went on a major, major. Just I spent one hundred and ten dollars on this type of food, and just I'm like, no, I don't want to eat that. No, I don't want to eat that. That's poison. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna overtox my, you know, synthetic, fabricated foods, processed foods. I'm not going to eat that stuff. So I went on that. And what happens is it, I did not, I'm just going to explain it. It's a little graphic, but my, my, my poo was green and it wasn't green because I eat vegetables and fruits because I, because I'm a carnivorous person. I loved eating meat. So that it wasn't that I did not have diarrhea. These are things that we, we knew did not have diarrhea, which can also cause green. What they had determined is that my, my, that you're, your, your, I think it produces uh, the bile that causes your poop to be brown, that my liver shut down, which is like you can die. My liver is working 100% now. But I didn't do like some people do. They take a little, they'll do a little whatever. No, I got radical. Okay? And so I, I, I believe the word of God. Before I even went to the doctor to get the diagnosis and stuff, I heard a quiet voice say, pray that your liver is healed. I heard it. I heard the Holy Spirit say, pray for your liver to be healed. I know that I had, my liver had shut down. Okay, it had. It's working now for you guys. So what did I do? I applied the word of God and I applied common sense. Okay, my, my internal bleeding I just, and I'm not going to get into how they knew I had internal bleeding. It, it's it, it's kind of a little uncomfortable to talk about it, how somebody would know somebody had internal bleeding. Okay, so I don't want to get into that kind of details here. You would be like, ooh, that's gross. So we're not going to do that. Okay, but I had internal bleeding. Major, he said I should have gone to the to the uh, to the critical care, but he's like, man, it stopped. You're okay. And, and I told him I prayed and he's like, well, God answered. Prayer. I prayed because I knew I was dying. I bled out a lot, a lot of, of blood internally, but, but I just prayed. I didn't, I didn't do dieting because I was, I was, I was bleeding out. I couldn't even hold food down. I was in so severe pain. 
And I just said, okay, I've got to believe God for healing. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit fell down on me. I could feel the presence of God filling me up, and he healed me. Okay? He healed me. Okay? He healed me. Okay? So listen, you should be healed. should not be sick. shouldn't die from some disease. I want to live until I'm uh, ready to go, 120, 150, 200, 300 years old. You go, what? Well, yeah, the, the, the reason man was told that he could live only 120 years is because of the hibernization and the, the impurities of the blood so that he cut off men's life because they, they became wicked. And it says the thoughts of men were completely wicked and evil, so God only gave them 120 years. That's it. That's because of the hibernization, the, the fallen, the, the watchers that interbred and, and perverted the, the DNA days of Noah before the flood, so it shall be again. Corrupt and change the DNA. What is it? MRNA? Okay. We're not talking about any things. We're not talking, uh, we're not discussing vaccinations or vaccines here today. I'm just talking about what the Bible says. You shouldn't be changing your DNA. Okay. That's what we're talking is a religious thing. Christians do not believe in changing their DNA. It's forbidden by God. We're created in his image. We're not to alter the form that we were created in. That's sin. It is a sin against God. So listen, people are sick because they don't take care of their body. They don't get enough rest. They don't exercise. They don't eat well. And this is also prophetic. It's a part of this prophetic ministry. Do you understand you're going to die, brothers and sisters, because you guys don't take care of yourselves? This is what the Lord told me. You've got to tell my people to eat right, exercise, go to a gym. When you go to a gym and you work out, what happens? You release endorphins in your body. They make you happy. So you say, man... How can somebody be happy all the time? People that know me will tell me, dude, you're happy all the time. When I talk this way, this is outside of the way I talk. When I get bring correction, I hate doing it. I'm more of a joyous kind of dude all the time. Let me tell you something. Go to a gym. It's good for, it's good for your mental health. It releases endorphins in, in your body that cause you to be happier, more alert, more focused, more concentrated. It relieves inflammation and swelling. That, that happens through through different diseases and arthritis and age and injuries. You'll feel better if you exercise, okay? Your cardiovascular and respiratory system, if you work out like I do, like an Ironman workout, I do an Ironman workout. It means I work out like sometimes, like to try to work out two hours straight. On my two-day water fast, I hiked, uh, hiked in the mountains uphill, a big portion of what I hiked in the mountains, uh, seven, around seven miles on a two-day water fast. Why? Because your cardiovascular and respiratory system is what matters, so that's why I do Ironman workouts. In other words, I get on the weights and I wait for like two hours. People are like, dude, how can you do that? Because I'm building my, my lungs and my heart because I want to finish what God has called me to do. And as much as I come on here and preach and stuff, it takes a lot of physical strength and stamina and mental focus Okay, and 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 the alpha state of lucidness, it requires that alpha state of lucidness. 
that mindset, that's focus to come here and do lectures and talk like this. So I have to be in good health. I've got to eat well. I've got to exercise so I can finish my ministry. Otherwise, I can't do what I'm called to do. And it won't be God's fault. It'll be my fault. Yet, let me just say something about water. You need to have a lot of water. 50% of heart attacks happen as a result of dehydration. Did you know that? Go look it up. Google it. Don't believe me. 50% of people that die of a heart attack die not because they have a heart disease. Go and, and Google that. Facebook it. Uh, Facebook, go, go YouTube it. 50% of people that die of heart attacks and strokes die because they're dehydrated. They're, they're, there's nothing wrong with their heart. Okay? You are not 80 or 95% water. That's, it's, it's inaccurate. You're actually a plasma. And, and the reason it's not called water because it's, it, it's because it, it's, it has to do with, like, chemistry. In other words, it, it, the chemical uh, uh, chemicals change in it. Okay? Oil and water don't mix. Certain things do. When something mixes, it becomes one with what it is, and it changes its various nature. So this is, has water in it, but this is not water because, because the, the molecules have all connected together. They're not separate. They're not like oil and water. So that's why the doctors say you need to drink water, okay, because your body needs water. It doesn't need Coca-Cola. It doesn't need soda. I just got this this morning because my sugar level, I could feel it was a little low. So I could do my program. I just took a, a little sip like that. So listen, you won't be lucid if you don't have enough water. You won't be able to be an alpha mindset. Biblical, because the alpha mindset's biblical. That is the engaged mind. Think on these things, whatever is lovely, whatever is a good report. Now, God's going to do that for you. You need to do it. It says, think on these things, whatever is lovely, whatever is a good report, whatever is virtuous, whatever is praiseworthy. See, that's the alpha mindset, not the beta mindset. Okay? Casting down every thought that exalts itself above the knowledge of God or against the knowledge of God. Second uh, Corinthians, casting down every thought that exalts itself. Um, against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought to obedience to Christ. Let me read that. So I butchered it really bad. Wow. That was a real good butcher hack job there. <laughs> Let me go ahead and get this, say this. Casting down every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Let me read it. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's the word of God. And bringing captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, thoughts that do not agree with God, go and arrest them, put them in handcuffs, and lock them up. That's the alpha state. Take responsibility for your brain. God's not going to set your brain on default. It's not his brain. It's your brain. That's a part of your will. That's a part of your, that is a part of your soul. That is your, your mind, your will, and your emotions. So you have to be an alpha saint. That is, don't be sitting around waiting for God to do stuff when God wants you to do something. Okay. So let me say a little more on this water thing. It's important that you get, uh, understand this. Okay. Your T cells, the ones that fight disease in your body. If there's not enough water in those T-cells, they're like this, lethargic, unconcentrated, 
uh, unfocused. They're not capable of doing their job. Okay, right? When you when you fill your body with water, and then and and it it becomes a part of the plasma that's in your body, and it becomes one with it. So it's not long, it's no longer water. They, it, it's actually what doctors say. It's no longer water actually because it's changed. There's a chemistry change in it. Okay, and so there's this plasma that's running throughout your whole body. It is a liquid plasma that can, has contained uh, H2H. You know, you could you could you'd have to separate the two because they're one now. The water are one. The plasma is the blood is the is the plasma. Okay, and to be hydrated. And why do people have heart attacks? Their blood is thick, and so the heart has to work way harder to push the blood through the veins. And this is where people have aneurysms, strokes, or heart attacks because you do not have enough water. Your immune system will not work well because your T cells will be all like lethargic. They're like, give us a drink. We need a drink of water. And you're like, well, I don't like drinking water. Listen, Jesus said, I am the living water. Guess what? Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. You ought to listen to him about health. He knew what he was talking about. Jesus said, I am the living water. It is necessary for you to have a lot of water in your body. As a Christian, you need to drink as much water as you can. Okay? If you, want, if you can't drink straight water, get something like a, a, a um, what is it called? The sugar-free zero Zero eight, what I think is zero eight or something drinks, you know. But it's better to just drink water too. I drink straight water. But you gotta have, you have to fluid yourself. This is a spiritual thing. You don't, you don't think it's spiritual? It's going to be spiritual when you're dead, and your wife is going to say, "My husband died from a heart attack, and who's going to take care of my wife? Uh, who's going to take care of me and my kids?" It's spiritual when one of you, one of you sisters out there, has a stroke and you can't, uh, you, and you're single, and you and you got your whole left side of your body unable to move because you, you because you didn't have enough time to drink water, and then you then lose your job. They're like you're just not hitting the marks because your 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 mind is in a cloud and you're not really lucid because you don't have enough water. You don't have enough minerals either. Remember, I talked about the hunter-gatherers and why when they find people that are like, from 6,000 years ago, they've got all their teeth and they don't have osteoporosis and they, they, they can do a forensic study on it. They're like, these people are in good health. Why were they in good health? Because they were following the, the hunter-gatherer model. See, uh, the hunter model is that these people would constantly go out and hunt, climbing up mountains, swimming across rivers, going through streams, hiking miles to find their, their animal that they're going to kill. Cardiovascular and respiratory system is working maximum then, and they were gatherers. They pick up berries, okay, that were that were wild, organic, natural, not synthetic, not fabricated, okay. Okay, the enzymes are living. Enzymes are the building blocks of all life. Life produces life. Death does not produce life. You have to eat things that are living. You don't want to eat a bunch of synthetic food from Jack in the Box and Burger King. You're killing your body. Your liver can't handle it. Okay? You've got to take care of your body. I was doing that already, but I, I made some mistakes by taking some painkillers. By the way, here's a little thing. Guess what? If you take anti-inflammatories all the time, you can end, end up with your liver shutting down and getting internal bleeding, as I did. I didn't know that because I was weightlifting heavy amounts of weight, and now I've been told that I can weightlift lighter weight and more reps and still get the same results. So I'm, I'm weightlifting lighter weight with more reps and I don't feel the shoulder pain any longer. 
But I'm telling you right now, guess what? Anti-inflammatories will cause you to have internal bleeding and they do liver damage. I did not know that. Okay. I had heard it, but I didn't, I thought it was like an extreme situation. No, it's not. Okay. I suffered from that. But I'm telling you people, if you, if, if you, if, if you want to do a good job, your brain has to work. You want to take care of your family, your brain has to work. You want to take care of your children, your brain has to work. If you want to serve others, your brain has to work. Your body has to work. If you're going to preach like I do for hours, your brain has to work. Your body has to work. Okay? So it's spiritual to take care of your body. It's the temple of the Holy Ghost. And when Paul said exercise prophets little, the society he said it in, they were hunters or gatherers. A lot of people were out physically. The majority of people do, were doing hard work to live. And because of that, their cardiovascular and respiratory system, common sense, if you're working hard, then your cardiovascular respiratory system are in good health. Okay? That's right. Okay? And so in those types of societies, that's why he said exercise profits little. But if you work on the Internet for days and you don't do a lot of stuff and you're not moving, you got to move it or lose a body, then you're going to lose your you need to go get a job, it's a, a, a gym. You need to get a membership in a gym. It's it's not optional, or you're going to die, because your cardiovascular and respiratory system are what keeps you alive. Okay, if you eat a bunch of junk food and you feel like you're in a cloud, guess what? You're there because you you put yourself there. If you think Twinkies and ice cream and ding dongs, all that stuff is food, it's not. It's poison. You're poisonous. You know, like God won't heal me. God's saying, why are you eating poison? I didn't create Twinkies. I didn't create ding-dongs. I didn't create the French fries at McDonald's that won't even mold for 100 years. And the hamburgers that will still look perfect 10 years later. Okay? Eat that stuff. Eat things that are organic, that are natural, that had enzymes in them, that are living, that are unprocessed, un, 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 uh, don't have synthetics in it, aren't held together with glues. Then you can preach for, like I do for hours, and you can talk, and you can articulate, and pontificate, and elaborate. And you can give lectures and, and talk about the etymology of words and stuff. You can be loose at present at the moment. Okay, you can you can you can do that. But if you feel like a piece of trash because you you're defiling your body with garbage and trash, then you can't even help other people. And since the number one thing in life is to be a servant, you're going to serve others if everyone has to serve you because you're in a pair of diapers and you're drooling when you're 90 or 80 years old. Where you could be lucid, and it's like my grandfather was a doctor, Dr. Vance. He was still practicing medicine at 90 years old. Still practicing medicine at 90 years old. He retired professionally, but he worked as a, he donated his time at a reservation. Okay, Dr. Vance, my, 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 uh, my mom's dad, he was lucid. Okay, so how can you serve others? If somebody's got to change your diapers and you're suffering from Alzheimer's because you've got all these metals inside of you that you're pounding down all the time and you've got Alzheimer's and you don't have Alzheimer's, okay, but you don't have enough of omega-3s. So you're like, you don't know what day of the week it is. You forget your own name. You're like, hey, Joe, is it Joe Biden? Is it Joe, Joe Mama? What is it, Joe? Why am I here? Where did I come from? Uh, I am the vi- I am I am uh, the vice president of, of of Obama. Is that Obamacare or is that Obama Nation? I don't know. 
I don't know. Harris, who are you? Okay, what's going on there? Not mocking the man, he mocks himself. The worst joke in America history. The greatest blight upon this country. What a joke. Listen, the guy's been eating nothing, no good. And he's and also he's not taking care of his soul. Okay? Listen, you should have a clear mind until you're old. You should have a strong body. So it is spiritual taking care of your health. It is spiritual exercising. Be a servant. You cannot serve others if you can't even get out of bed. You can't serve others if you can't take care of your own self. You can't preach to others, empower others, give others revelation, encourage others, teach others. You can't do nothing at all. Jesus didn't come to serve. He said, I came to, he said, I did not come to be served. He said, I did not come to be served. He said, he said, if I'm your Lord and your master, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve others. And I gave you this as an example that you're the greatest in the kingdom of God when you serve. Understand in the culture of a servant, a servant didn't get paid. He was saying, I, I don't have an angle. I help people. I expect nothing back. That's the greatest proof and evidence that you're a spiritual person. You do things for others for no reason other than that you're being operating in love and mercy, period. That is the great person in the kingdom of God, not the apostle, prophet, teacher who's a narcissist. Not the person who thinks everybody owes them something and you don't do anything unless you're getting paid. No, it's the servants who are great in the kingdom of God. The person that you don't know their name because they're not famous but their servants, those are the ones who are great in the kingdom of God. That's right. Okay? And that's, and that's good mental health. Joy. Jesus first, others, then you. Jesus first, others, then you. That's good mental health. You'll always be happy if you're a servant. So i got to talk about this stuff, and I know some people don't want to hear about it, so, you know, that's fine. I lose a few viewers. Hey, guess what? You're going to be miserable. You're going to get to heaven, and God, and you're going to, say, and God's going to, you're going to say, God, uh, it's good to be here in heaven. He's going, to, he's going to say, you had another 30 years on earth of ministry. You're here because you didn't take care of your body. It's going to say, your, your, your wife and your kids are down there suffering now, trying to get by because you're dead. You were still supposed to preach the gospel for another 15 years, but you're dead now. You're in heaven, so you're not getting any rewards, and people are going to go to hell because you were going to because you couldn't say no to Jack in the Box, because you you couldn't say no to Diet Coke, because you couldn't say no to to not getting enough sleep and watching movies late night at night night. Okay, got to finish your late night movie, so you you're, so you don't get enough sleep and you're not lucid, and your body's overstressed because you haven't given it enough rest because you think you're Superman. And you got this this un, this un, uh, this source that can, you can't ever fully tap it. No, everybody, we have limits. We can spread ourselves too thin. You got to get enough sleep. You can't spread yourself out to, too thin. You wipe out your body. Stress destroys you. It's one of your greatest enemies. So living in fear and anxiety is a sin because it kills the temple of God. That's why it's a sin. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace that passes all understanding will keep your mind, heart, and soul. Be anxious for nothing. Nothing in the Greek means nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, 
in everything with prayer and supplication. Let your requests be known unto God with thanksgiving. And the peace that passes all understanding should keep your heart, mind, and soul in Christ Jesus. See, you want to carry your burdens, your anxiety, anxiety, stress kills you. Number one killer. One of the number one killers, okay? Causes toxicness in your body. Causes cancer, heart attacks, strokes. Causes dementia. Really, yeah. Attacks your body. Because you're, you were not made to be all stressed out all the time. Okay? So be a servant. That's good mental health. Don't be thinking about what can I get and what can people do for me. That you're mentally ill if you're thinking that way. What can I get and what can people do for me? That you're, you're mentally ill. I love you, but that's mental illness. What can you to do? What can you do for others and for those who cannot even help you back? That's good mental health. How can you help serve? How can you help give? How can you help show love? How can you help serve people? Okay, that's the right way. Jesus. Others, you, joy. That's the, that's the recipe for life. It's good mental health. Okay? I'm telling you, man. I love you, man. I'm just telling you. I, I love you. Okay? Be a servant. Okay? Be a servant. Don't be afraid. I get up here. I preach for hours. It wears, it wears me out physically to do this. So that my rewards are not just like you think, well, wow, you know, there's so much. He must get so blessed. Sometimes I don't. I feel the Holy Spirit a lot of times when I preach, but it's it, it's physically stressful when you preach. You know, not physically stressful, but it, it taps your body. But but what I do is I'll eat my vitamins, I'll work out, I'll do what's like a nap. But I can't do what I do in my ministry, and 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 the different other areas that we have. A big portion of what I do has to do with helping the helping the poor. Okay. I'm not going to get into the details, helping with groceries, gasoline, uh, places to stay. Uh, this is a part of this nonprofit, and, and we do that, okay? And, and, and I'm not a charity. I'm a nonprofit. There's a difference, okay? But I'll tell you on all honesty and humility that this nonprofit does more for the poor than companies that are set up as legal charities. They have to give a certain amount to be a legal charity. I don't. But I will say, not boasting, that I give more than those legal charities do because I'm going to give an account before God. And I don't, I'm not even required to do it because I'm not a charity, but I do it. I'm surprised when I looked at what charities give. I'm like, wow, these people are criminals. Unbelievable. They're living the big life. No, because I understand the Bible says God gives us all, all things richly to enjoy. And it says the person who is rich, let them be rich, lavish giving to help others. Okay, that's what it says in the, um, what is it? That one translation I have, I think that Bible's on my bedroom right now. Yeah, I think it's in my, um, no, maybe it's not. Let me see. Hold on one second, you guys. Give me a second. not it it must be it must be somewhere else but in in the in the uh, the uh, passion translation it says that God gives us all things richly to enjoy and that we are to to give to others lavishly so it's more it's it's more blessed to give than it is to receive okay that's why when you put others above yourself you'll always be blessed okay and that good mental health and you say well mental health you know it doesn't matter 
Well, that's not what you're, that's not what others think about it. Okay. So be all that you can be by exercising prayer. I will talk about this too, meditation. You, you can't just let your brain just go. You got to navigate it and control it. Okay. You have to be focused. Okay. Don't, a lot of you are waiting for things. God doesn't want you to wait. He wants you to, to be a part of the catalyst of making it happen. Christians have got back Christianity backwards. Listen, here's some scriptures to prove that the principle is that God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. As a theologian, I'll prove it right now. Undeniably, God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. Scriptures that say that. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So God doesn't need to submit himself to himself. You do. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So if, if you are being tempted, you must resist the devil. God doesn't need to resist the devil. You don't have a problem with the devil. See, God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. Okay? It says, it says in Psalms, it says, fear God and sin not. Well, God will from sinning. God don't have to do any such thing whatsoever. Who told you that? Some crazy false prophet? No, it says in Psalms, fear God and cease from sin. You've got to not sin. God don't have a problem with sin. You do. Stop it. Okay? You're being silly. Okay? So God isn't going to do for you what you can do for yourself. James chapter 1, 22. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So you have to do it. I think it's 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls by obeying the truth. How do I how do I cleanse my soul? Seeing, have a revelation, understanding, enlightened, be illuminated, have this epiphany, okay? Seeing that you purified your soul, mind, will, and emotions by obeying the truth. How do you purify your mind, will, and your emotions? You do what the Bible says. Matthew 7, the man uh, that hears the word of God and does it, that man is wise. The word of God is for doing. That's what the word of God is for, doing it. Do it. God isn't going to do what you can do for yourself. It says, seek and you will find. Well, then you're going to have to do that. Knock and the door will be open. You're going to have to do it. Oh, God's going to get me a job. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. Ask and you shall receive. you got to do that. God's not going to do that for you. He gave you two hands and two feet. you got to do it. He gave you a brain. A brain. This thing right here, it's not just that you're there to separate your shoulders. People are waiting God to do things randomly. Look, at if you want to be healed, you've got to confess healing scriptures and get those scriptures in your spirit so you can receive faith to be healed. You've got to participate with the kingdom of God, okay? You have to do that. Casting down every thought, every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing, bringing into captivity Every thought to the obedience of Christ. God has got to do, deal with my thoughts. God doesn't need to deal with your thoughts. He told you to do it. God will not do what you are to do for yourself. The strongest part of the human being, spiritually, is their will. Your will is what determines your outcome. Be led in the Spirit isn't that God puts you in default and then you just automatically walk in the Spirit. No. 
You have to walk. Walk, Walking is intentional, purposeful. You have to walk in the Spirit. You have to exercise your will. Things are done by people exercising their will. A will is a part of who you are. It's an eternal part of you. It's a part of your suke, your soul, mind, will, and emotions. So the greatest thing that you have given to you, deposited in you, is your will. That's who you are. So you make choices, then your choices make you. We're making choices 24 hours a day. If you make a bad choice, fix it and make a right choice. Because you sow and reap. Those are, those are spiritual laws. There will be consequences for righteousness. There will be consequences for unrighteousness. Okay? So all this stuff is spiritual. If you don't understand the spiritual, you don't understand what spirituality is. Okay? You know, some, some of you are you're like, you know, you're, you're, well, my husband's upset with me because that, that house is always dirty and the clothes aren't cleaned and stuff. And they're like, but he doesn't, uh, he doesn't understand that I don't feel good. I spend eight hours watching the internet and eating junk food, but he doesn't understand I don't feel good. Well, no wonder you don't feel good. No wonder you don't feel good. You spend eight hours watching soap operas as, the, as your stomach turns, as your stomach churns, as the world turns. One miserable life to live. Filling yourself up with trash and then junk food. Start hiking. Turn off that 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 one demon that you put in the center of your house, like they would do idols. They put the the idol in the center, then everybody would get around the idol and worship the idol. Get rid of the the television. I've got a ministry about for deliverance from televisions. Give if if I can't get there, I'll try to send somebody else out there with the, with a the sledgehammer. It will sledgehammer your television, will deliver you from that one-eyed demon that's in your house, that's stealing your fellowship and your communication with one another, that's eating up your time. No wonder the house isn't clean. How could it be clean if you stand in front of that thing 24 hours a day? Listen, husbands, oh, I don't feel good. You play your video games 24 hours a day, okay? You're just all caught up into making money. You don't have time for God, for prayer. You don't go to church on Sunday. And you're like, you are like you don't understand why your marriage is hurt. You're the reason your marriage is hurt. See, everybody, it's not somebody else's fault. It's our fault. we got to fix it. That's called being an adult. Are you ready to be an adult yet? Well, I'm an adult, John. I'm 65 years old. Listen, like my pastor said, some people say, no, they call the way of the Lord being in the way of the Lord. And some people say, I've been in the way of the Lord for 40 years. Well, get out of his way and let him have his way. Okay, just because you've been a Christian a long time doesn't mean anything. Are you are you a doer of the word? Or are you just a hearer deceiving your own self? So God isn't going to do for you what he's commanded you to do for yourself. So it's important for you to understand and grasp what I'm talking to you about in this life. You can better your life by eating better, exercising stewarding your time better what are you doing with your time how are you stewarding your time are you giving your time yourself time i'll give you an example real quickly if i can find it i don't know if i can hold on oh when i'm looking oh i think maybe it's my bedroom charging but i have the whole bible on a cassette thing it's this big only it's the whole bible on a cassette thing that big and and i can i can put that on take a hike like I'll be out hiking, like, you know, this week I'll be out hiking in the mountains and I'll go out and hike in the mountains. Okay. I'll go to the gym. I'll go hike in the mountains. I don't know how many miles I'll average, but I did like seven miles in a day. So I could average quite a few miles if I hiked like two to three times a week. 
okay? But as I'm going to go out hike, I'm going to have the Bible with me. So I'm taking that time and using it as time for prayer and meditation on the word. You've got to make time for God. You are, you are the sum total of your own choices. Make time. Go to the gym and then bring worship music and some teaching. I think teaching is probably going to be better. Worship a little bit maybe when you drive. Talk to God. Maybe you have to turn it off. You know, if you, as you drive to the gym, that's your time to yourself. But by the time you drive to the gym, you pray. The time you're driving home from the gym, you pray. The time you're there, you listen to Christian uh, teaching. You get your inner man built up. you got to make time for God. Okay? You are the sum total of your own choices. Okay? All right? I'm just telling you that. So please do like these videos and leave comments when the video is off as well. I know this is not the kind of teaching that people like. Some of it, some of you love it. You tell me you love it and you're grateful for it. But other people, they just want to have their ears tickled and be called and burped and they love their demons and they want to keep them and they don't want to change. They love the world. So a lot of what I'm saying is upsetting them and they're undisciplined. Okay. And because they're undisciplined, they don't like what I'm saying either because I'm a person that responsibility for his words and his actions and then, and then works on how to improve myself by obeying God's word, not being a hearer of the word, deceiving myself, but I look at scripture and say, okay, I need to do it, okay? So that's alpha state. That's the, that's the mind engaged. That's the person who's present, okay? And so I'm going to be a more high-performing person. I have been all my life, but that's because I've been believing the Bible and living it. And I, I became, uh, I, I, would, I would rise to the top in many companies that I worked for as a young man. I would rise to the top of positions in churches, not because of being a brown noser, because I was applying these principles of being engaged, being a servant. If I showed up to a job, I would show up to a job 15 minutes before everybody else. And I would say 15 minutes after everybody left because I didn't just go, okay, the job starts at eight and I'd be right there at eight o'clock. And then, oh, the job ends at four and then be ready in a running position to leave. I would make sure all the tools were put, put away Everybody's area was cleaned up. And then all of a sudden, hey, yeah, you're going to be the you're running the company. Why is this guy running the company? Been with the company for a little bit of time because I took incentive, initiative. I had the servant mentality. Don't look for things that need to be taken care of. If someone's if someone's dropping the ball, pick it up. Okay, to take care of my own job, but then also take care of other loose ends because I'm there to serve. I'm not there to take make a check. If you're going to a job check you're a thief that person when they hire you they want to hire somebody who has their best interest and that's a narcissistic viewpoint you work to improve somebody else's life you work to make your boss prosper really yeah because you're supposed to be a servant so if you're just going in there and oh yeah hey listen uh you know it doesn't matter. I'm going to take, I'm going to ride down that I had this many hours, even though I took a break here and break here. And I, and you know, they don't want you to do that. You're, you're robbing your company. Okay. You have to have the best interest of everyone else is your interest. That's a servant mindset. We're expecting nothing in return. That type of mindset will, will compel you to the top. You'll end up in management positions because you take in, you're, you're, you're assertive. You take the initiative. You take the incentive. You're a self-starter, a self-goer. You take ownership for what you're doing. 
You not only take ownership for the job you're given, you take ownership for the company. If somebody in the company is not doing something right and they need help, you help them. If they don't do their job, you go do it. Guess what? You'll be in charge of the company pretty soon. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. If you run a company and, and the company is as you're running it as a servant, you're a good listener. You listen to what the client wants. You don't say, well, I think you ought to do this. You ought to do this. You, you listen to the person's vision. Whatever service job you're in, because also all companies that are, are run are service companies. What does the person that you're serving want? The people that you're doing business with, how do they want you to serve them? Those who serve will always accelerate. Hold on one second. My phone just went here off. This is weird. This is weird what just happened here. Anyways, give me a second. One second, y'all. Something happened here with my phone. Wow, the weird thing. Give me one second. All right. Okay, I'm back. It just cut me off, you guys. I don't know if, what happened. Okay. But I got this other phone so I can follow this. So, no matter how busy you are, don't spread yourself too thin. You can't serve everybody. You can't help all people. I've done it. And God tells me, listen, you're spreading yourself too thin. You're counseling too many people. You're praying for too many people. You're ministering to too many people. You can't do it. So don't spread yourself too thin, but you're not doing it out of narcissism. You're doing it because your first relationship is with God. Your first relationship is with the Lord. And so you must protect it as the most sacred thing in your life. So you can't spread yourself out too thin and serve too much. You've got to have time to serve the Lord. And, and lie down before the Lord and wait on God so you can be refreshed and renewed. Because you cannot operate out of deadness. You can't operate out of emptiness. you got to get filled with the Holy Spirit so that the glory that's in you can flow out to others. So you got to learn how to live a contemplative life, a life of learning how to meditate, contemplate on the Word of God. Silence and quiet yourself. Get away into a place that is your garden. The Bible says that Jesus got away from the crowds, and he went, it said, into a garden, which it said it was his habit to do and to pray. So you've got to learn how to defrag and decompress, reconnecting, okay? You cannot be so busy that you don't have, listen, I don't care that you're a multimillionaire. You you should at least be taking an hour to 30 minutes every single day. Of, you, you should be doing four hours of prayer, to be honest, but at least make an hour out of your day where you sit down, no matter if you've got big board meetings and got to be on a Learjet to here to here, stop it. Take a time where you're spending an hour by yourself in, in listening to some worship music, the word of God and prayer every single day. You cannot afford not to. You say, well, I can't afford to do that. I've got to be, I've got to have my, 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 my face to the grind all the time. No, you can't do that. You're, 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 you're not, you don't have infinite strength. Don't have infinite wisdom. God does. You're a you are a creature that has to be filled up and refilled. That is a fact. Your soul has to be renewed and renewed. So you have to have time to decompress, renew, defrag, be rebuilt, reboot. 
okay? People are running and they don't decompress, defrag, and they and therefore they can't reboot. And so they're never in the zone that whatever they do is suffering and quality, whether it's their ministry, whether it's their marriage, whether it's their business, because they're not they're not stewarding their time, their body, or their spirit well. Okay? You gotta you gotta steward your spirit well. Take time for, for prayer, time for study of the word. I know that you've business. I know that you that you work as a nurse and it's a lot of hours and such. And it's difficult, but you've got to take time at, at the hospital where you're a nurse and you've got to find that little meditation prayer room that they got at most hospitals. And you've got to go sit there and, and not just sit there and, and watch YouTube or watch the news. That's not going to feed your spirit. Go to that little place. Open up your Bible. Spend some time with Jesus. To spend some time in prayer. We have a, a, a bunch of people that run constantly and they don't rest. That'll kill you also. That's not healthy. You've got to learn how to decompress, defrag. And then you can reboot because you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay. So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you flow out of the Holy Spirit, by which you've been filled, but you can't give away what you don't have. And if, if you haven't sat at the feet of Jesus and waited and been peaceful and restful and listened to him and fellowship with him, then how are you going to minister to others? You can't do it. Okay. Okay. So you've got to have some type of plan. Because if you don't plan, you plan to fail. Amen. So being spiritual is not accidental or incidental. People don't accidentally go to heaven or accidentally go to hell. Life is not random. We make choices. So I'm talking about these things today. Amen. And I love you guys. And I know you're awesome. Amen. Amen. So God bless you. That's all I've got for today. Amen. It's a lot. Again, I saw a transfer of wealth of uh, in the silver. That was a vision that I had very clear. Okay. I had a very uh, clear vision that silver will make people wealthy. That's what I saw because the regular silver uh, uh, Troy coin is about this big. That's 99.9% uh, uh, silver. It's about that big, the, the silver dollar. But I saw silver dollars worth that were like this big. They were about that thick. Okay, so there's going to be a transfer of wealth. That's what's going to happen. But if you don't have any silver, guess what? It ain't going to get transferred to you. Okay? <laughs> if you don't have any gold, it's not going to get transferred to you. That's unrealistic. Okay? I, I don't believe that. Okay? Okay? The other thing is Russia is not going to attack America this year. I know big prophetic ministries are out there are saying that they're they're pathetic they're not prophetic they're operating in a spirit of fear i told you back when 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 uh, kim jong moon or whatever his name said it was going to bomb america it was in the news he had made these statements that said he had the capacity to send a nuke over here and people are all john we're going to get nuked this prophet saying that this i said the lord says it's a lie are we still here okay if you can touch yourself touch yourself feel that you we're still here. So those people were wrong. Okay. 2023, I will see you in 2023. That's a prophecy. I'll see you in 2023. We're still going to be here in 2023. You watch. Don't forget when 2023 comes, remember you wake up and it's January, 2023. You're like, Hey, pastor John said, we'd still be here. He was right. Yep. Yep. Have the mind of Christ. You know what's going on. No, no attack of Russia in 2022. Not going to happen. 
Not going to happen. That's telling you like it is. Okay. You guys are wonderful. God loves you. You're awesome. God has got so many good things for you. I know you're going to do great. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So anyways, that's just a good a basics too in life that you should know. You know, wheat bread is not bad for you. It can't be. Jesus talked about separating the wheat from the tare. The tare is no good. The wheat was used for making bread. He said he was the bread of life. It had wheat in it. Jesus is God. He didn't know what he was talking about. Listen, you're going to talk about the, the, the best chemists, scientists in every realm of science and study on earth. God. Jesus Christ manifest in the flesh. God. He said, I don't say anything unless I hear the father saying this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I don't say anything unless I hear the father saying it. And I don't do anything unless I hear the father unless I see the father doing it. He said, I'm the bread of life. What kind of bread? Bread that's made out of wheat. Oh, you shouldn't eat wheat bread. No, listen, if you can't eat wheat bread, your whole body's messed up. Something's wrong with it. But it, it's not because you were eating wheat, you ate, because you ate wheat bread. No. Okay. God said he, he was going to bring the people into a land full of milk and honey and garlic or leeks. Leeks. But some, some translations call it garlic. Garlic is the strongest natural antibiotic known to man. Oh, milk is bad for you. Anything's bad for you if you use it too much. But the Bible says, I'm going to bring you into a country, into a land filled with milk and honey. So how's milk bad for you? When God Almighty, the creator of the heaven and earth, says you'll be blessed if you have milk. Don't believe all of the people out there that claim to be health people. Too much milk is not good for you, just like too much of anything isn't. But you need calcium. Don't be in denial. It's a fact. You'll, you'll, you'll fall apart. So you'll slam the door. Your arm will fall off. You go to kick your soccer ball and your leg will fall off. You got to have milk. Got to have, got to have it. God says it. John came out eating, eating locusts. Hey, they're healthy too. You want to get barbecue, a little sauce, whatever. <laughs> I, I might try one with you. Haven't done it. Not sure that I would, but the point is it's healthy. John the Baptist had, against clean food, John the Baptist had a, a diet of locusts and wild honey. That's right. So learn about your body. Take care of your body. Love God and then love others. But you can't love others if you don't love yourself. First command, love the Lord with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Second one, love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you hate yourself, you created the image of God, and he loves you, that's wrong. You have worth and value. Therefore, respect yourself and don't just settle for things. And show yourself respect. So therefore, you'll not allow people that, that don't respect you to disrespect you. You'll deal with it. You'll nip it in the bud. You'll confront it. Because you're, you're, you're worth more than that. Amen. God bless you all. Good to see you out there. Amen. Shalom. Pastor John, you have an excellent day.